Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. With millions of other podcasts out there you could be listening to right now, thank you so much for listening and joining us as we journal through the Bible. This is episode 13, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapters 17 and 18. The title of today's podcast is Laughing in God's Face. Our key verses are Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. And the messenger said to Abram, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? The Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. This is the word of the Lord. So in chapter 17, God is going to appear to Abram, and he's going to rename him. He's going to rename him Abraham, which means a father of nations. And he's also going to give Abram or I should say Abraham, a new way that his people are going to be designated or set apart for God. And he gives them a sign of this special covenant relationship that he has with Abraham and all of his descendants. And that sign is circumcision. So I am going to take just about 45 seconds to describe what that process looks like or is. We're going to talk very frank and candid about it. So if you've got any kids, you don't want to listen to that. You might want to pause this for a minute. Not going to get into too graphic detail, but Literally what the word circumcise means is to cut around, circumcise. So circum means a, like a circumference of a circle, go around, and then to cut. And this is, of course, the foreskin of the penis that God was asking Abram and all who were a member of his family to cut the foreskin of their penis off. And this is something that would designate the Jewish people as his people. And there are some, some things that are going to come up during this podcast as we work through our way through the entire scripture. We don't get to avoid the unpleasant or the unusual or the uncanny parts. And this is one of those things that I say just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I almost think this is the fact that Abraham is signing up for this circumcision business is evidence that this is God's plan because I don't know a single male human being who is voluntarily, especially at 99 years old, to go through such a painful medical procedure to a part of the human anatomy that is very precious to male human beings. But that is exactly what God asks Abraham to do, and he does it. And so the fact that circumcision now is a mark of God's people, all the males of Abraham's family, including Ishmael, all the slaves who were bought with their money, all of them were circumcised. And for generations to come, the circumcision is going to be an Old Testament mark or an Old Testament characteristic of God's people. The males were going to be circumcised, and those families that did not have their male children circumcised, they're actually going to be cast out of the people of God because they're not following the Lord in his way. And if you are a female, we don't circumcise females. We don't believe in female circumcision. That is a terrible abuse of women. So the way that the women were marked as a part of God's people is they were married to a circumcised man. And so the men were circumcised, the women were married to circumcised men. That kept you a part of the Old Testament covenant people of God from the time here in Genesis chapter 17 and 18. And there are many Kairos here in this chapter 17. I have a Cairo on 6 and 7, on 12 and on 19. 
And that's because there are these promises that kings are going to come from Abraham. Verse 7, God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to God, to you, and to your offspring after you. And when we see this word offspring being used in these promises, it is always singular. It's not offsprings, plural, but it is offspring, singular. And I believe that God, in talking to Abraham, is keeping it singular because he's hearkening to that promise that he's going to send a singular offspring as a son of the woman, thank you, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that is going to be this heir of promise that is going to bring God's promise of salvation to bear on all of humanity. And this everlasting covenant is a covenant that has no expiration date. It goes on forever and ever and ever because the work that God is going to do in Christ Jesus is going to continue and endure forever and ever and ever. And so they go through this circumcision act. And as they do, God also promises Abram that he is going to have a child by Sarai. And Abram, we are told in chapter 17, he laughs when God tells him that Sarai is going to become a mother. Abram, we are told in this passage, is 99 years old. That makes Sarai, who is now going to be known as Sarah, about 90 years old. They had been having happy marital relations for many decades and never even sniffed a pregnancy. And now God says that Abram, who's going to be 100 years old next year, and Sarai, his wife, who's going to be like 90, are going to have a child. Abraham doesn't believe it, and he laughs straight up in God's face. But God will not be denied. He says, I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So God has this blessing and he gives this wonderful promise to Abraham and Abraham laughs in his face. And in chapter 18, when the angels are going to appear to Abram and Sarah is going to overhear this conversation and the reiteration of this promise that she is going to bear a child, we are told that Sarah laughs. Now, Sarah laughed to herself, we're told in the text. I think that Sarah often gets a bad rap because she laughed at God when he gave her this promise. But let's let's be real about this. Notice that Abraham actually laughed in the face of God. We're told he fell on the floor in laughter in front of God when God gave him this promise. Sarah, she just laughs to herself, and God confronts her and rebukes her in her unbelief because he is able to do things that we cannot even dare hope for or imagine. Her hope of being a mother had long since extinguished, and yet God promised her that is exactly what was going to happen. And so both Abraham and Sarah laugh in the face of God when he gives them this promise that seems them to be completely impossible. But he's going to get it done. Just you wait and just you watch. And at the tail end of chapter 18, we see this interesting conversation, this little bartering episode between God and Abraham that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to many of our listeners. And that is just because we don't understand the traditions of the people of the day and the age of Abraham. So God appears to Abram in the form of three servants. And we're told that Abram prepares a meal for God, that they receive the meal and they're eating God. And that there's this conversation between these messengers and Abram where God tells Abram that he's going to go and he's going to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah off the face of the earth. That the evil of those cities had gotten so great that God has no other choice but to wipe them off of the face of the earth. And this is a problem for Abram because someone who he knows and loves is down there in Sodom. And that, of course, is his nephew Lot, who had chosen a few chapters back to settle 
in and around the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so when God tells Abram that he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abram, who is now Abraham, goes into a little bit of a bartering conversation with God. What if there's 50 people, righteous people there, God? Are you going to destroy the whole city for 50 people who are righteous? And God says, no, I won't destroy it for 50. And then he says, what about 45 and 40 and 35 and 30? And we see that Abraham works in this negotiation with God all the way down to five people. And he says, for the sake of five righteous people, would you destroy the whole city? And God says, for the sake of five, I will not destroy it. And I'm thinking, knowing, of course, what's coming next, that Abram was thinking that there are six righteous people in the city of Sodom. Lot, his wife, Lot's two daughters, and their two fiancés, as both of them at this point in time are old enough, they've been pledged in marriage to men of the city. And so Abram is thinking, okay, that's six. So he probably leaves the conversation thinking that he had secured the release of Sodom and Gomorrah from God's destruction because he was really trying to save Lot. And in this conversation, God is bartering or dealing with Abram in a way that would have been commonplace in a common way for them to do business at the time, which was to barter. You know, we live in a world where we go to the grocery store or we go to the gas station and the proprietor, the business, they tell us what we're going to pay for that service. And we have a choice. We can pay that much or not. But that's not the way that the economy works in most of the world. In lots of the world, you are still involved in contract negotiations, bartering. Even in the Western world, if you look at the higher echelons of business and finance, there is a lot of bartering that happens where the published price is not the price that you are going to pay. And we see this happening oftentimes in places like flea markets and in yard sales, but also when it comes to the buying and sale of large items such as houses and automobiles. And so God, in having this bartering conversation with Abraham, they're just doing business the way that people back then did business. And and if we don't understand the basics of how they lived at that point in time, we can look at this conversation and think, what in the world is this doing in here? Why is this even here? This doesn't make any sense. Why is God negotiating with Abraham? Well, what's happening is they're having a very real and frank conversation, and God is leveling with Abraham in a way that Abraham understands. And in this whole conversation, Abraham is for us a type of Christ who is an intercessor for us, who is seated to the right hand of the Father after being raised to glory after the ascension, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is there interceding for us. So just as Abraham here is pleading for Lot and his family, so too Jesus Christ pleads for us on a constant basis with the Father. The accuser Satan has been cast out of heaven after Christ's victory over him, sin and death at the cross. And now Jesus is there advocating for us at the right hand of the Father. And so this powerful type, which has very deep roots in the cultural practices of that time and place, if we don't understand those things, we can completely miss the significance of this passage. But Abraham actually secures now mercy and grace for Lot and his family. And the chapter ends with the angels going down into Sodom and Abraham and Sarai going back to their tent, laughing at God, maybe even delirious with laughter, thinking that this thing that they had promised could never happen. And so we leave Abraham and Sarah in their laughter, recognizing that God has planned for them something that they dare not believe even possible because of his great love for them, which gives us good reason as God's people to listen and to love and to know and to trust him, even when the promises that he makes to us don't seem to make any sense. And it is in that spirit that we conclude today's podcast with a blessing. We appreciate your prayers for our podcast. 
Please pray that God would bless us with his Holy Spirit, with listeners, and the resources to do the work he has put on our hearts to do for you and everyone else who may be listening. May you pray boldly, lifting all your concerns to God and trusting in him with your most cherished desires. Amen.